Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's time to play! Full-time fantasy. Full-time fantasy. That's right, it is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis. Solo for the final hour here until 4 p.m. Eastern on a Wednesday afternoon where we have day baseball. And I love when we have day baseball. So we'll go over some of the updates and the action from the afternoon. We'll get you lineups for the nighttime slate come up a little bit later on. And we'll have Michael Florio from Fantrax join me in the next segment. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Ronis on the gram at Aaron88. And all my work at FullTimeFantasy.com as... It's a rebranding, so if you go to ScoutFantasySports.com, it'll still take you to FullTimeFantasy.com, but get FullTimeFantasy.com embedded in your head, bookmark it, and it's myself, Dr. Roto, and Sean Childs. We are still all there, and I have an article coming out today basically on how to interpret what managers do in trying to reveal what the roles are for a player, and I think it's one of the mistakes we make in fantasy. I think we all have biases, and we all think, okay, this guy's going to be the closer. He's the best arm. He's the guy I'm going to get. When you really need to look at what the manager is doing, and we won't always have those clues, but there's one situation where I look at, and it was clear what the team intended to do, and people made mistakes in FAB this weekend. They spent double, triple the money on the wrong pitcher. Now, at least initially. Now, of course, this can change over the long haul of the season, but once a player gets an opportunity and if they excel, that's it. They're going to keep the job. We have seen it with all these young players that have come up. So that article will be up on the site today. So I recommend you checking it out. I think it's more on fantasy baseball, but I think it helps in football, basketball as well because it's basically a strategy and a way to read because we've all been there. How many times, especially during football, we all go, oh, this is going to be the running back when this guy goes down. And we all feel it. We all see the talent. And the coach goes in a different direction. And we're all sitting there with our hands up, perplexed. You know, coaches make wrong decisions sometimes. Teams make wrong decisions. But we have to look at the clues that they are sending us in order to determine role. And it's not going to always be the guy that we want. So uh, give an example of this. You could check that out. should be up hopefully sometime soon. Uh, Dr. Otto takes a look at the NFC South draft review. He's also reviewed the NFC East and the NFC West. Uh, we have uh, evaluating top fantasy rookie landing spots and the fantasy impact from Riley Bymaster. And, of course, uh, you can ask your questions on the message boards and forums anytime you want. We will get you an answer at fulltimefantasy.com as well as fulltimefantasy.com slash DFS. There's also a write-up already. For the night slate, we got optimizers, Slack chat leading up to lineup block where you can ask all your questions. And head on over to playffwc.com if you're ready to draft. As we mentioned, we already had a a draft and go best ball uh, last night. We're going to have one of the participants come on the show tomorrow to talk about that. 
Uh, we broke down a little bit of uh, the first few picks in the opening segment. If you're just joining us and you missed it, of course, you can always check it out on demand anytime you want. Just go to podcasts and you can find us. And they're uploaded pretty quick after the live show ends. So uh, maybe for your commute home, if you can't listen at work, you can listen to the show. But we got Dynasty League startups, best ball drafts. Uh, it's never too early to start drafting for your uh, fantasy football teams. As we mentioned last year, Christian McCaffrey around this time, late second round pick. And by the time we got to the beginning of the season, where was he going? Mid to late first round. So, you know, you heard Doc talk about it. He had a draft with Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey. And if you had that last year, man, you were just in great shape. So that's one of the benefits. I know sometimes people are like, oh, it's too early. Why would I do it now? But, you know, get in a couple early, you know, best ball drafts and, you know, you don't have to spend a ton of money. Uh, and it's always good to draft early to get a feel for it. You know, I kind of parallel it to, like, running a marathon. You just don't run 10 miles day one when you're training for a marathon. Not that I would know. I've always thought about running a marathon someday. It's a lot of work, but I think it's a huge accomplishment. But you wouldn't just go out there day one and run 10 miles. you got to slowly build up. And I think it's the same with drafting. You know, you want to get started early, get in the groove, see where the players are going, kind of develop strategies, see where the players that you value are going low. And maybe you do a lot of drafts early and pluck them away. You know, like for baseball, for me, there was a lot of guys. I mean, Sonny Gray was one. Domingo Santana. I mean, I got Domingo Santana in so many leagues. I liked him before his spring when he was hitting well. And he was a guy that you were getting really late in drafts. And even when we got close to the season, the price rose. Because I remember my last draft I did was an online championship uh, for the NFBC with 12 teams. And I think Domingo went round 11, round 12. And I was all set to take him and he was gone. But, you know, that's the one good thing is you kind of figure out where the market is undervaluing players. So it's never too early to draft. And I typically start... End of May, June is when I really get into it. And what happens is once you do one, that's it. You start to go crazy. And even just looking at the draft board, now I'm starting to get a little excited, even though I'm like heavily ingrained in baseball and watching the NBA playoffs. But you know how it goes. All of a sudden, you do a draft, and then you just want to do a bunch. So you can head on over to playffwc.com, as it is now May Madness here on May 1st. Uh well, let's take a look at some of the top things that happened in baseball last night. And the, the, one of the biggest stories, and it always happens, is when we have a closer situation. And it was brewing here in Texas. You could see Jose Leclerc was just terrible. He came into last night's game with a 3 nothing lead in the ninth inning. So once I saw that, I switched over to that game because I said, all right, I need to watch this closely. Because a lot of times, people will put the line of a closer or and didn't watch any of it. And you kind of need context, especially in baseball, because how many times have we watched a pitcher had poor luck? There was a slow infield roller that, you know, was soft contact, but an unlucky hit. I remember the other day, I think it was actually familiar, familiar yesterday, who wasn't good, and he's pitched terribly this year. But it was, I think, an 0-2 pitch on the outside corner, and the batter just stuck out his bat and flicked it into right field. You know, to me, that's an unlucky hit. You know, it, 0-2, you don't want to be catching any part of the plate, but it was a pitch outside. I mean, prefer a pitch in the dirt. But, you know, things like that can give you some context. So, Jose Leclerc, ninth inning. A hard hit line drive to right field. 
that went off the glove of Nomar Mazzara. Was it an easy play? No. But a major leaguer should make that play, in my opinion. They ruled it a hit. Okay, fine. Next, an infield single. Uh, up the middle, and uh, batter beat it out. Then it was a 3-2 count uh, single to right field scoring a run. Uh, a 2-2 count looked like a strikeout, but it was called a ball. But then Starling Marte struck out for the first out. Uh, Gregory Polanco struck out looking. So now you got two outs. And then Josh Bell with an opposite field two-run double got caught in a rundown to end the inning. So it was not a good inning. For Leclerc, who has just not been good this year. And this is a guy that they signed to a contract extension in the offseason. So I think there have been signs here for a week or so. Uh, he's been really shaky. There was one game where he really got bailed out by the umpire, who was pretty generous in the strikes. And we heard Texas manager Chris Woodward come out today and say they're going to give him a break. Look, there's there's not much positive to spin here with Leclerc the way he's pitched this year. He got a 16.1% walk rate. That's terrible. A 2.16 whip. And the strikeouts are way down from last year. 38.1% last year. It's 25% this year. And he allowed very little hard contact last year. He's allowed way more hard contact this year. And what's crazy is the velocity is up. So it's no dip in velocity at all. He's actually throwing 96.1 with his fastball where he was in the 95 level. He's throwing more first pitch strikes, but he's just getting way less swings and miss. 8.2% swinging strike rate. So this is a case where I think they put him in low leverage situations. And I think eventually they'll, if he, especially if he pitches well in those low leverage situations, they'll work him back into the closer role. He's 25. And again, they did give him a contract extension and, it's not like they have great options here in this bullpen to turn to. Now, Sean Kelly is pitching well this year. He has a history of closing a little bit. Of course, health has always been a factor for him. And it's funny because I picked up, and this is what I've always preached. Now, it's not easy to do in every league because sometimes a lot of these guys will own. But going into the season or even the first couple of weeks, Sean Kelly, Chris Martin, they really weren't rostered in league. So I picked up Sean Kelly in two leagues last week for very cheap. And I actually wound up dropping him over the week, and I was like, all right, maybe Leclerc turns it around. But basically, one was for Hansel, Hansel Robles, who got a save last night. And we saw Ty Buttrey pitch at the eighth, Robles pitched the ninth. And if you've listened to this show, I have said they have kind of tilted their hand that Robles was the leading candidate to close. So he was the guy that I bid on more over the weekend. And got him in two leagues. Now, he, Robles only went for $21 in tout. The reason why I didn't get him is I put in a bid for Blake Parker, 16, got Blake Parker. I don't know why Blake Parker was dropped in that league. And I don't know why Pagan and Luke Jackson and Butchery were going for more than Blake Parker. I don't care what the Twins say. They could say that we don't have a closer. Every time there's a save situation and Blake Parker's available, who's closing? Blake Parker. So... Again, that's kind of reading what the team and manager is doing. And they've been going to Blake Parker. So I spent on Blake Parker, and he got me a save the other night. I don't think he's got great stuff. I don't think he's the best arm in that pen. But it doesn't matter what I think. You know what matters? Who has the role? And he might lose it, but he has it right now. So that's why I went out and got him. So Sean Kelly, 
I dropped for Hansel Robles, and I probably should have held on to Kelly uh, and dropped someone else. But I had claims in dropping a bat for another bat, and I didn't get any of those bats. And now Kelly will probably go for a decent amount this week. And But we still have to see what happens over the next few days in Texas. I know Chris Martin is there. I think Kelly pitched the seventh yesterday, Martin the eighth. Uh, Jesse Chavez came in an extra inning, gave up some runs. So we'll have more clarity for those that don't have Fab until Sunday. Now, there are some leagues where Fab runs in the middle of the week. I would lean towards the direction of Kelly. I wouldn't spend a ton, though, because, again, I think that you could see the clerk get back into this situation in a week or two. Now, he's got to pitch well in these low-leverage situations, though. Uh, but, look, there are teams that are desperate. Trust me, I was in that situation where I got Robles in that league for $9 out of 100 where I had no saves going into the week. I got a save, or was it Sunday? I got Ryan Presley got a save. I don't remember if it was Sunday or Monday, so I have him there. That was my first save, and then my second from Robles last night. So that was clearly a league where I was desperate. So I probably should have held on to Kelly there. And the other league where I dropped Kelly, I went up and picked up Diego Castillo because he was available. And with the Rays... You know, they, they've used Alvarado, they've used Castillo, they've used Pagan. So uh, they've had a lot of save opportunities. But, you know, I think Castillo and Alvarado are the two guys there. And maybe we see Pagan occasionally, but I think for sure you want to have Alvarado and Castillo rostered. So that's why I did that. And, you know, Kelly will probably go for a lot of money this weekend. And my guess is he probably will wind up disappointing by the end of the season. So... It's not the greatest situation there in Texas, and it's not like Kelly is a dynamic arm. So uh, I still think just kind of reading this is uh, that they are probably going to try and go back to LeClerc at some point. So uh, another situation where we're chasing saves off the waiver wire, which seems to happen uh, every single week. But, you know, Kelly this year so far hasn't walked anyone. 12 innings, no walks. And he's allowed two home runs. And we know in Texas, uh, especially as it starts to heat up, that's a place where you can uh, allow a lot of home runs. And Kelly's allowed a 45.2% fly ball rate and a pretty high hard hit rate. So I'm not convinced that he keeps this job if he gets an opportunity. So I would not be spending a ton on him. Uh, I would be putting in bids if I need to close it. But I'm not going crazy here because uh, I don't I don't think there's a situation where maybe he keeps it all year long. So it's always a, a battle with closers. Uh, we saw last night, Fran Reyes, two home runs, man. And, you know, Padres have a situation here in the outfield where they got two big-time power hitters in Reyes and Renfro who they don't seem like they're going to be able to play every day, unfortunately. We saw Renfro sit out yesterday. Now, they do have a lefty on the mound tonight, so we'll see. And the, the problem is, is, is Margot, they kind of need in center for defense. And I don't think they feel comfortable playing you know, Reyes or Myers in center field. Myers is going to play every day. And if you got more go in center, it comes down to Renfro and Reyes. And Reyes is crushing right now. And I think I got a question about him a few days ago. And I'm going to write about him, I think, tomorrow a little bit. I mean, he's got to be owned in every league. This guy's got elite power. It's eight home runs now and 14 RBIs. Uh, and he just stings the ball. Now, people see the 232 average. He's got a 196 batting average in balls of play, and I, I don't think he's a big average hitter, but he's a career 268 hitter. We're only dealing with 117 games anyway, but he's cut down the strikeouts from last year. He hits a ton of fly balls, 47% fly ball rate, and when he makes contact, man, he mashes. His hard hit rate is 
So this is a guy that can give you a lot of home runs. I mean, this this could be a 30 to 35 homer bat. And I just think going into the year, people were just worried about the situation there in the Padres outfield. And, you know, I liked Hunter Renfro a lot, and I got him. But, man, if it's not a daily league, it's really difficult to try and figure out what to do with him. And it's a problem that the Padres have and interested to see if they make a move. Of course, Chris Paddock was excellent once again yesterday. Six innings, two runs, five strikeouts. He's now got an ERA of 1.91. I don't think it's crazy to entertain offers for Paddock. I I think he's legit. Don't get me wrong. They're going to watch his pitch counts. They're going to watch his innings. And right now, his value is sky high. And whenever I say that about a player, I'm not saying you have to go out and trade them. I'm just saying if you get offers, think about them. Because how many innings are you going to get from Paddock this year? And we have discussed that baseball has changed. And you're not going to get 160, 170 innings from a lot of guys. If Paddock were to give you 120 great innings this year, you'll take it. But if you have several of those guys, you know, it could hurt you. So you might want to think about flipping them. Again, you don't have to. I'm just saying entertain it. When we return, I'll be joined by Mike Florio from Fantrax.com. We'll talk more baseball with him here on Full-Time Fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Make it rain. I don't see how this guy makes his way onto a football field, not only through suspension, but also teams going, yeah, you got to show me something else here, uh, Tyreek, beforehand. And I just don't know that it's in him. I really, you're like, there's only so many excuses before you go, guys, he is what he, he's telling you what he is. Like, he's showing you, he has shown you what he is from Oklahoma State. He's showing you what he is. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network, working on your popular podcast providers. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day, 10 an hour, one person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621 866-484-9621 That's 866-484-9621 DailyRoto.com Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Back here, it is full-time fantasy on the four, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget, check us out now at our new home, fulltimefantasy.com. Same people, Sean Childs, myself, Dr. Roto, just a new name, fulltimefantasy.com. My article is now up, looking at the usage to determine roles and getting hints to make the best and most wise fantasy decisions. And, of course, we got draft recaps 
what it means for fantasy as well in football. Joining me now, it is Mike Florio, Fantrax.com. What is up, Mike? What's up, my man? How you been? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? I'm good. I like the new name. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Well, we're not giving you a job if that's what you're asking for. (laughs) I mean, I I tell you you like the name. Of course I want a job. All right. We'll see. Maybe one day. uh, Maybe. I got to see, man. Your work ethic, I'm still kind of questioning it a little bit, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh uh, but before we start, uh, I'll give you a congratulations because uh, you finished third in the Tout Wars DFS contest last night. So, uh, nice job. It could have been a lot, thank you. It could have been a lot better. I, at one point in the night, uh, it was I was in second, and Justin Mason was four points ahead of me. I had we both had Walker Bueller, so that that canceled out. I though had uh, I had Vlad and. Corey Seager, he had Justin Turner and uh, I forget exactly who on the Pirates, uh, and and his guys both homered late in the in the night. So he got that. It, it was a huge win for him. But at one point late last night, both of us were like tweeting each other. We were both sweating, uh, sweating out that contest. Yeah, I was fortunate in the first period to get a ticket into the final. I finished third in the first scoring period, which break they break it down into four weeks. So this was week one of the second scoring period where. I did not have a great night, uh, but you used some players. Like, I really thought about David Freeze because it was uh, he was going against a lefty in Pomerantz, and he was only 3,300. I was worried that maybe they pinch hit for him late in the game, and I ultimately backed off. Uh, Jose Martinez was the guy that I had in there initially. Took about, that's the one thing about DFS when you do one lineup. Does this happen to you, too, where, like, you have a lineup set, and then all of a sudden you make changes, and then you look back, and you're like, oh, I should have left this guy in. I liked him. Why did I take him out? Like, I loved Mookie Betts yesterday. He was 5,000, and when Mookie Betts is going well, he's going to be more like 54, 55, and I wound up taking him out, and of course he homered. So does that happen to you a lot when you're setting a DFS lineup? Yeah, I think it happens to a lot of people who you do want to – like for me, yesterday, I originally – the invite went out Monday night, so I put together a lineup Monday night real quick just as like a placeholder and then went back to it yesterday and – before I had Walker Bueller in, because I had Trevor Bauer as well, my plan yesterday was just pay up for aces, and I had originally had Blake Snow in. He got uh, postponed, obviously. So then my entire lineup, for, like after that game got postponed, was completely different. So I think that happens to a lot of people because, especially if you make your lineup early in the day before lineups are out, then you start to see where guys are hitting and stuff, and, and you might think, oh, this guy's a good value. I want to get him in. So, yeah, I, I 100% do the same thing. You tinker, and sometimes it works. Often, you know, you, you're kicking yourself, like you just said. Yeah, for me, Bauer was the luck, and it was trying to determine the second pitcher, and I thought about Velasquez, and then I felt like he didn't fit what I wanted to do. I did not want Walker Bueller. I, I know he had 17.8, but I actually went with Julio Tehran, even though he lost. Uh, he had eight strikeouts. He actually gave me 20.15. And that's kind of what I'm looking at as my second pitcher is like, okay, I want someone that can get me seven, eight, nine strikeouts. And I hate Julio Tehran. I think he's garbage. But I figured against the Padres, he can get the strikeouts that he did. It's, it's the bats where I went wrong. Really, the only guy that came through for me was Justin Turner, who, again, I like the Dodgers' right-handed bats against Pomerantz. Uh, I just did not, and I like I thought about Enrique Hernandez. I think I actually had Enrique Hernandez and Betts in the outfield, and I changed it. Wound up going with Benintendi, Mazzara, and Puig. So it, it completely flopped. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that's going to happen, though. Like, I know a couple weeks ago I had uh, a showing in Tower Wars where I finished, like, 18, 19, something like that. And, and it was actually a week where I, I typically, I'm usually like you, where I pay up for one pitcher and try to find a good value as my second. But that week I was like, all right, there's two cheaper pitchers I like. I'll pay up for bats, try this strategy, and it just flopped for me. So I actually went the exact opposite last night, and I paid up for two big pitchers. And I, I know I finished third, but I, I still felt like I should have gotten more out of those pitchers. Uh, talking to Mike Florio from Fantrax.com. Now, Jurex and Profar has what they call Florio, which means that he has the yips and he can't throw to first base, and he's been sitting out. How worried are we about Jurex and Profar the rest of the way, or do you think he gets back in there and figure this out, or uh, he's going to sit for an extended period of time? I'm pretty worried because, yeah, not only does he have the, the yips, I'm not going to call him the Florio, but <laughs> he also has it been. He hasn't been delivering at the plate. He's hitting below 200, not really hitting for power. The one thing I still like is the strikeout rate is low, but he's not even walking like he was last year. And I'm a big points leagues player, and he was a, a player that I value. I, I thought was a good value in points leagues because he's going to walk. He's going to cut down on the strikeouts. He'll give you, I thought, you know, in the range of 20 home runs, a solid average. But mainly you want him because he's going to hit doubles, he's going to draw walks, and he's not going to strike out. And this year... I mean, he really hasn't done anything. I've actually dropped him in one league. So uh, it, it's a shallower league. I think if you're in like a 10 or maybe a shallower 12-team league, you can you can move on by now. But other than, I think if you're in a deeper 15-team league, the leash is always a little bit longer there. But it's getting close to the point where you could just cut him all around, I think. Is Chad Pinder the guy that gets a chance to play every day? Do they call someone up? Obviously, there's Barreto and Mateo in the minor leagues. You know, what's your advice to people looking for the option if Profar doesn't make it back as the starting second baseman in Oakland? I do think it will be Pinder. He's having a good year offensively right now. He's hitting 280. And the thing I always like about Pinder is, at least in the last couple of years, at the end of the year, he's always towards the top in, like, the barrels per plate appearance. So when he is getting his opportunities, he does square up the ball. We know he possesses some power out there. He made a hell of a catch, too, against Vlad the other day, showing that he can play some defense. And I don't know why the A's hate Franklin Barreto, but it feels like he's just never going to be a thing there. It feels like they need to send him to, like, Tampa or something, and then he'll take off. But for right now, I do think Pinder will be the guy. Has that ever happened to you where maybe you were at a place where you were working or a softball team where you felt like everyone hated you? Have you ever been in that spot? I don't think so. I mean, if, if everyone hated me, perhaps I didn't know it, but I, I've never been on a team where I'm like, wow, this whole team hates and I'm here right now. Well, I'm sure it's happened it. to you a few times. No, it hasn't. I hate to tell you, though, where you previously worked, there were a lot of people who didn't like you there. So uh, I guess you didn't notice. Uh, you're not very observant, I guess. At least the people I dealt with liked me. I, I know that. Well, that's what they tell you to your face, but <laughs> they told me other things behind your back. Uh, Josh Donaldson, he's out of the lineup again today. He was scratched yesterday due to soreness in his right calf. They said he's going to get at least one more day off. We know the history for Donaldson and these calf injuries. Uh, I stayed away from him. I know he was cheap, but I was just worried. Can he get through a whole season? Obviously, great spot in Atlanta. And I was starting to wonder, like, maybe I was wrong. He, he just started to hit a little bit. But I was just worried about whether he can hold up. Uh, were you in the same position, or do you own some Donaldson this year? I was in the same position. I don't own any of him. And 
not only it, it was I'm guessing the logic was very similar to yours like I just thought third base was so deep of a position that there was plenty of other options I could take and not have to worry about you know oh can this guy miss half the season and I know Josh Donaldson uh, like you he's been hitting well lately I had a little buyer's remorse at one point like man this guy was really cheap if he does stay healthy and hit, continues to hit like this it's going to make me look really silly but this is who Josh Donaldson is and anytime I know it's the other calf. I, I believe this time it's the right, and last year was the left, or vice versa. But still, I mean, a calf injury derailed a season of his not long, like just a year ago. So to see him dealing with that again, uh, I would be scared if I have him. How are you doing in most of your leagues? Uh, it seems like this is a year where a lot of people are complaining because of injuries and they're not doing well. Uh, how's it gone for you so far? So far, so good. Uh, in my like my head-to-head leagues, uh, I, I'm I have one loss between my two like home head-to-head points leagues. Uh, GST, me, Frank, and Greg are sitting on top. At least uh, as of this morning, we were. Uh, I, the uh, only don't, league don't get too comfortable there. Look in the rearview mirror. Look who's chasing. I'm almost there. You're third. You're exactly. third, right? Exactly. So don't get comfortable. <laughs> we just got to beat Joe Galina, man. We can't have him three p. Yeah, like, that's not gonna happen, Joe. Sorry about that. See, <laughs> but the one team of mine that I've been stressing a little bit lately is Tout Wars, and I'm in the draft and hold league. And I, for most of April, I was sitting comfortably in first. And it, like me and Matt Modica were also battling. Like he's been, we've been flipping back and forth, first and second. And in the last week or so, I've fell to fourth, and it's continuing. My point total continues to decrease because. Some pitchers who were supposed to be my strength, Noah Syndergaard, Trevor Bauer, uh, Trevor Richards did a number on my, my whip in ERA, Jose Duclerc. So my pitching is in a real funk right now, hoping to break out of it. But my hitting has been very surprisingly very good in that league where I thought it was going to be the opposite. Yeah, for me, I'm pretty much doing well in every league except one where anything that can go wrong is, and that's probably one of the – most important leagues for me because it's the highest potential payout. That's the NFBC auction, man. Nothing can go right in that league. And I think we've all been in that situation where no matter what you do, everything seems to go wrong. And even though almost every other league is going well, I think I'm like top four in every league I'm in except that one. And that's the one that just brings everything down. <laughs> you know, And it's early in the year and the standings don't mean much. You want to get off to a good start. But, man, it's just the worst when – you just can't do nothing right. No matter what you do, it feels like every move goes wrong. And I think everyone's been in that spot before. You probably a lot more than most. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I, I think we've all been in a, in a league like that. Like last year, uh, it was GST, I think, or GDD, one of the two for me, Frank and Greg. No matter what move we made, it just seemed to backfire. I've been lucky so far this year where I don't have a team like that. I don't have a team that, like, I, all my teams, because I think everyone has teams that, you know, they're missing some players on all their teams right now, given the amount of injuries. But I don't have a, a team that is just, like, completely derailed from injuries. So I consider myself very lucky because of that. Yeah, like the great fantasy baseball invitational, I was actually number one overall for a little bit. I've dipped back. I haven't checked today. I think I'm, like, top 15 battling in my league. And I have Clevenger, Judge, Hicks, uh, Lazardo. I had had Strickland as a second closer, cut him. I had Cody Allen. I cut him. So a lot of things have gone wrong in the team state afloat. So it's crazy how that works out. But you brought up Jose LeClerc, and I watched his inning last night. I didn't think it, it wasn't awful. Like, did you watch it at all? I did. And I, I didn't you I think Bizarre should have caught that ball to open the inning? 
Yes, and I, even after that, I felt better. Like, at first I was worried, and then he strikes out uh, Marte and Polanco back-to-back, and I'm like, all right, he's going to get out of this. And then the Josh Bell double, and it, it was just frustrating because, yeah, I do think Nazar should have caught that ball, but, I mean, he, LeClerc is still giving up entirely too many hits right now. Yeah, he's terrible, so <laughs> he is. I mean, so, and I only have him in one league, too. Of course, it's the NFBC auction where, like I said, nothing goes right. Uh, so who do you pick up here? Is it Sean Kelly? Is it Martin? Because uh, you know people are going to be – now, we have several days. Most, I think most people fab is once a week on Sunday. But there are leagues that are first come, first serve. There are leagues that run maybe Wednesday, Thursday night. So we have to help everyone else. We'll have a few days in most of our leagues to kind of see how this plays out. But if you have to make a decision tonight, who are you picking up in the Texas bullpen? And how aggressive are you going to be if it's fab? I actually wrote about this on my Patreon page today. I think it is Sean Kelly that you need to add right now, but I wouldn't be super aggressive. I wrote like I would spend right now at least three to maybe at the most like 5% because Leclerc still had like they haven't officially taken him away uh, out of the close role. Plus, I think if they take him away, long term we know they are very invested in him. I think he's ultimately going to get like maybe like a week or two weeks, something like that. Where we've seen this before, where they'll take him out of that role, pitch him in you know some non high leverage situations just to kind of get right. And then I think he's going to ultimately end up back as the closer again. Again, they've invested a lot of money in this guy. Like he, I think they view him as a long term closer. Plus. His velocity is actually up from last year, as is his spin rate. So I don't know if it's as much – I don't think it's a physical issue as much as it might be, like, mechanical or mental. Something is not right with him, but I can't pinpoint what it is, and I'm just hoping that they give him a little bit of a break, and that that helps uh, fix him. Well, I'm glad you listened to my previous segment and basically said the same thing I said. So – uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I know you you have your own thoughts, I think. Uh, but, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I don't think this is going to be a long-term issue. I just don't because they invested in him. So as long as he pitches well in the low-leverage situation, I'm sure they can bring him to a blowout in sixth inning and seventh. As long as he piles up a, a couple scoreless innings, I could see him getting back into that role. Uh, you brought up Noah Syndergaard as well, man. And as Mets fans, we know how frustrating it is. And, I think it's a combination of factors. There's definitely some bad luck at play when you look at the underlying metrics. And having watched him pitch, you've seen, like, there were a couple slow rollers on the infield that went for hits. But this guy just with two strikes too many times is not putting hitters away. So people see the numbers. They're frustrated with Syndergaard. He kind of hasn't lived up to expectations. What are your thoughts on him? Is he someone you would buy low on in a trading league? Do you think this continues? What's the issue here with Syndergaard? I would buy low on him as long as I was able to get somewhat of a discount on him because I do agree that he is very unlucky. It's like a running joke I have with uh, a couple of my friends who are also big Met fans that no one gives up more slow rollers to third base hits than Noah Syndergaard, and it happens like multiple times in outing. It's very frustrating. But I also, you might have seen this as well. I'm not going to take credit for it. SNY and MLB both did a breakdown of him this week, and they both pinpointed the exact same issues, his uh, sinker is not breaking like it normally does. Typically, his sinker will go down and in to righties and down and away from lefties, and this year it's just hanging flat up in the zone and getting crushed, 
and he's been throwing his four seam more. But while he has great velocity, he actually has the highest average fastball velocity in baseball. His spin rate is outside the top 200. So they were saying that it's not an elite pitch like Garrett Cole's. It's more of a complimentary pitch. And he now he's having to throw it in bigger situations, which is leading to some hits because that sinker is just, you know, it's not really breaking at all. Plus, his velocity is down on his slider. So I'm kind of sticking with what I said the last time I came on, on your show where I said I'm lowering his ceiling. I still think he's an SP1, but I no longer think he has the upside to be like a top five starting pitcher. So if I could get a, a good enough discount on him, of course I would try and buy low right now. But if someone is still trying to sell me him as like, you know, a guy who has the upside of being a top five pitcher, if he gets right, I'm, I'm not going to buy that. He's also said, too, that the baseball feels like an ice cube. So I think he's been slowing, throwing the slider less. So there's a lot of factors at play here. But I also think he needs to learn how to pitch. You know, it's not all velocity. He's got to learn how to mix his pitches. So hopefully he can do that. But I'm with you. If I could buy low, I would. And uh, I need him to get going because I have him in the GST League. So uh. did, did you ever think we'd see the day where Steven Matz is the Mets' best pitcher? Yes, I did when I covered him in high school. Nah, just kidding. All right. Uh, all right, Mike, man, good talking to you, and hopefully uh, you can throw to first base on like Jerickson Profar. Thank you. I have a game tonight, so I'll let you know if that goes well. All right, good luck. When we return, we'll wrap it up, lineups and updates on the live action. The Fantasy Sports Network is hitting you from all angles with the best fantasy sports and betting analysis. You can catch the latest programming on so many platforms, there's no way you'll miss out on any of the award-winning programming we pump out every single day. You can listen through the FNTSY radio app, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. Download our podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Audioboom, and you can watch select programming on the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, your only source for fantasy sports and wagering anytime and anywhere. Lose weight now. Go to fat100.com. Lose that unwanted belly fat today and get free information at fat100.com. Fit in the dress or pants or bathing suits you've always wanted to. Go to fat100.com. Lose 10, 20, or more pounds immediately. Go to fat100.com. For free information on how you can lose weight, go to fat100.com. Fat100.com. That's fat100.com. Are you single? Everyone single is looking for the best date possible. Well, I found one website that can find you the best date, and it's called TheBestDate100.com. Just go there and log in for your free trial and see if you can find your new and maybe last best date. Remember, you can find the best date of your life at TheBestDate100.com. That's TheBestDate100.com. One more time, TheBestDate100.com. morning after. A team from Boston is like Anthony Weiner, okay? Anthony Weiner can't go a day without, like, harassing a teenager online or showing his weenie or his PP to someone. Mm-hmm. A Boston athlete cannot go more than 24 or 48 hours without doing something abusive or cheating. Prove me wrong. Besides the Celtics, Red Sox, Bruins, Patriots. Celtics are fine. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Check us out, fulltimefantasy.com. I have an article up right now looking at usage to determine roles, giving you a specific example from the past week where 
owners made a mistake, at least for now. But you can read that, get the details. We've got draft reviews from Dr. Otto looking at the NFC South, NFC East, and the NFC West. Uh, we'll have the closer depth charts from Sean Childs coming up. And you can ask questions on the message boards and forums anytime you want. Also, head over to playffwc.com for best ball drafts and Dynasty League startups. Check those out now. Catch gambling addicts Red Heat and Rage, Gabe Morency and Cam Stewart on Game Time Decisions, 4 p.m. Eastern weekdays right here on the FNTSY Sports Radio Network as they bitch and moan about their previous night's bad beats and let you know who their money is on for all the upcoming games. And they bet on all of them. You can also watch the broadcast on YouTube and participate in the chat room or watch it on Periscope twitch.tv or countless of other popular ott platforms become part of the show tune in for the entertainment the knowledge and for the extra money they'll put in your pockets it's game time decisions weekdays at 4 p.m eastern i gave you two nba picks on the show yesterday and they both won i had milwaukee minus seven and a half and golden state minus five and a half that was a wild finish to the game too i mean golden state was ahead the entire way and then there was a stupid turnover with about three seconds left, and the Rockets cut it to four. Fortunately, they fouled Durant, and Durant hit both free throws to help cover the spread. And then that game was, I think it was at 212. The over-under, I think, was like 220. It was at 212 with 23 seconds left, and that game went over. <laughs> that was a bad beat if you took the under. Obviously, if you had the over, you're ecstatic, but that's how it goes sometimes. Tonight, I like the under on the Denver-Portland game. I'm going to take the under 219.5. I know the game was very fast-paced the other night. Both teams shot very well. And I think people look at this line and they go, how can you go under that? Because look at the other night. I think it changes tonight. I think it's a little bit more slower-paced defense. I don't think team, both teams shoot as well. So I'm going to take the under 219.5. If I had to choose by the spread... I don't feel good about it. Uh, I would probably take Portland getting four, but I, I don't feel great about it. I think Portland has a good shot to win this game. Uh, Enos Cantor obviously playing through an injury, but he played great the other night. But uh, that's the way I would lean. But I, if I am forced to, to do one, I'm taking the under 219.5 tonight on Denver and Portland. Only one NBA game tonight as they really spread it out. So there's one NBA game tonight. Toronto Philly is the only game tomorrow. I mean, Golden State-Houston, they don't play till Saturday. I mean, really? Now, it might help James Harden after he had the, the blood in his eye and he said he couldn't really see that well towards the end of the game. So that should help them. But I really thought Houston had game one and they couldn't win that. So they obviously go home for a must win on Saturday. Let's take a look at some of the lineups for today. Yankees Diamondbacks about to get underway. Masahiro Tanaka against Merrill Kelly for the Yankees. Brett Gardner leading off at center. Luke Voigt's at first base. Gary Sanchez is catching. Glaber Torres at short. Mike Talkman in right field. Gio Urshela back in the lineup. He pinched hit yesterday after getting hit by a pitch a couple days ago. He's at third base. Tyler Wade at second base. Cameron Mabin in left field. And Masahiro Tanaka on the mound, batting ninth. For the Diamondbacks, Jared Dyson leading off in center. Eduardo Escobar at third base, hitting second. David Peralta in left field, batting third. Adam Jones in right field, hitting cleanup. Christian Walker at first base, hitting fifth. Cattell Marte at second base. Nick Ahmed at short, Caleb Joseph behind the plate, and Merrill Kelly on the mound hitting ninth. Orioles and White Sox double dip today. Game one, 4, 10 p.m. Eastern. David Hess against Carlos Radon for the Orioles. Jonathan Villar leaning off at second base. 
Trey Mancini back in the lineup today in right field inning second. Renato Nunez at first base hitting third. Uh, Dwight Smith Jr. is the designated hitter hitting cleanup. Hanser Alberto Berto at third base hitting fifth. Joey Rickard in center field hitting sixth. Pedro Severino, the catcher, hitting seventh. Wilkerson in left field hitting eighth. And Richie Martin, the shortstop, batting ninth. For the White Sox, Lurie Garcia leading off in center field. Yoan Moncada at third base batting second. Jose Abreu's at first base hitting third. Yonder Alonso, the DH, hitting cleanup. Tim Anderson at shortstop hitting fifth. Nicky Delmonico in left field hitting sixth. James McCann, the catcher, hitting seventh. Yolmer Sanchez at second base hitting eighth. And Ryan Cordell in right field batting ninth. Remember, the Rays and Royals play another game coming up. Uh, obviously, the first game's still going on, so it'll be Blake Snell against Glenn Sparkman. No lineups for that yet. Cubs in Seattle. It'll be John Lester against Marco Gonzalez for the Cubs. Almora leading off in center field. Chris Bryant, the DH, again, hitting second. Anthony Rizzo at first base, hitting third. Javier Byers at short, hitting cleanup. Wilson Contreras, the catcher, hitting fifth. Kyle Schwarber in left field, hitting sixth. David Bode at third base, hitting seventh. Jason Hayward in right field, hitting eighth. And Ben Zobrist at second base, hitting ninth. For the Seattle Mariners, Mitch Hanniger in right field, leading off. Domingo Santana in left field, hitting second. Edwin Encarnacion, who went yard yesterday, is at first base, hitting third. Tim Beckham, the shortstop, hitting cleanup. Daniel Vogelbach, the DH, hitting fifth. Ryan Healy at third base, hitting sixth. Tom Murphy behind the plate, hitting seventh. Braden Bishop in center field, hitting eighth. And D. Gordon at second base, hitting ninth. Jay Bruce getting the day off. The Cardinals in Washington to take on the Nationals. Miles Michaelis against Max Scherzer for the Cardinals. Matt Carpenter leading off at third base. Paul Goldschmidt's at first base, hitting second. Paul DeYoung is at shortstop, hitting third. Marcel Ozuna is in the cleanup spot in left field. Dexter Fowler still out of the lineup. He's dealing with flu-like symptoms. So Jose Martinez, another start in right field, batting fifth. Very interested to see what they do when Fowler is healthy. Martinez has hit very well, and they keep him in that five spot. So uh, would like to see him keep that spot. Yadier Molina is the catcher hitting sixth. Colton Wong's at second base hitting seventh. Harrison Bader in center field hitting eighth. And Michaelis on the mound. Batting ninth for the Nationals, Adam Eaton leading off in right field. Victor Robles in center field batting second. Juan Soto's in left field hitting third. Howie Kendrick, the third baseman, hitting cleanup. Matt Adams at first base batting fifth. Jan Gomes, the catcher, hitting sixth. Carter Keboom at shortstop hitting seventh. Wilmer Defoe's at second base hitting eighth. And Max Scherzer on the mound hitting ninth. Brian Dozier out of the lineup tonight. He was 0 for 4 with two strikeouts yesterday. And he just continues to struggle. He's got a slash line of 184, 297, 333, and uh, not in the lineup tonight. you got to worry if a guy like Keeboom plays well if Dozier loses playing time. Real, real key time for him right now. The Tigers are in Philadelphia taking on the Phillies. It'll be Daniel Norris against Aaron Nola for the Tigers. Heimer Candelario leading off at third base. Nicholas Castellanos in right field hitting second. Miguel Cabrera at first base, hitting third. Nico Goodrum in left field, hitting cleanup. Recently gained outfield eligibility in many leagues. He also homered yesterday. Rodriguez at second base, hitting fifth. John Hicks is the catcher, batting sixth. Jordy Mercer at shortstop, batting seventh. Jacoby Jones in center field, hitting eighth. And Daniel Norris on the mound, hitting ninth. For the Phillies, Andrew McCutcheon at center field, leading off. Gene Segura is the shortstop batting second. Bryce Harper in right field, hitting third. Reese Hoskins at first base in the cleanup spot. JT Romuto 
at catcher hitting fifth. Sean Rodriguez gets a start in left field. He's batting sixth. Cesar Hernandez at second base hitting seventh. Mikel Franco all of a sudden bumped down to the eighth spot. He's at third base. And Aranola on the mound, hitting ninth for the Phillies. The Indians are in Miami to take on the Marlins. Corey Kluber against Caleb Smith for the Indians. Leading off, Francisco Lindor at shortstop. Leonis Martin in center field, hitting second. Jose Ramirez at third base, hitting third. Carlos Santana, who went yard yesterday. He's in the cleanup spot at first base. Carlos Gonzalez, he also went yard. He's in left field hitting fifth. Jordan Luplo in right field hitting sixth. Jason Kipnis at second base hitting seventh. Roberto Perez, the catcher, hitting eighth. And Corey Kluber on the mound batting ninth. For the Marlins, Curtis Granderson leading off in left field. Miguel Rojas is at shortstop hitting second. Brian Anderson in right field hitting third. Starlin Castro is at second base hitting cleanup. Martin Prado is at first base hitting fifth. Jorge Alfaro is the catcher hitting sixth. John Birdie at third base hitting seventh. Roselle Herrera in center field hitting eighth, and Caleb Smith on the mound batting ninth. The Reds in New York to take on the Mets. Anthony DiSclafani against Jacob DeGrom. For the Reds, Joey Votto leading off at first base. I don't understand this, okay? Jose Peraza is back in the ninth spot tonight. Peraza has hit leadoff three straight games. He has hit. Why do you take the guy out of the leadoff spot and put him ninth in the order? Because DeGrom's on the mound? I just don't understand this. Show confidence in the player. He was really getting going. Your offense has struggled. You saw what Peraza did last year in the second half. And I know he's not a big OBP guy. But I just don't understand. You know, usually managers, when they put a player in a role and he's doing well, you know, you kind of leave him there. You know, there's comfort level. I just don't understand why you take Peraza out of the leadoff spot here. Makes no sense to me. Uh, I'm interested to see next game what they do. Is this a case of it is just DeGrom? Uh, I haven't even looked at the career numbers. Maybe Peraza struggle against him, but it doesn't matter. Show confidence in your player. He's just starting to get going. It's, uh, it bothers me. Joey Votto leading off at first base. Eugenio Suarez at third base hitting second. Jesse Winker in center field hitting third. Yasiel Puig in right field hitting cleanup. Derek Dietrich in left field hitting fifth. Tucker Barnhart is the catcher hitting sixth. Jose Iglesias at short hitting seventh. Scalfani on the mound in the eighth. And Jose Peraza at second base, batting ninth. For the Mets, Jeff McNeil leading off in left field. He's been on a tear. Pete Alonso at first base, hitting second. Robinson Cano back in the lineup. So good news here for Mets fans and those that own Cano. He was hit on the hand on Sunday. Back in the lineup. He's off to a little bit of a rough start, but uh, he'll get going, I think. Michael Conforto in right field, hitting cleanup. J.D. Davis gets the start at third base. Todd Frazier has pretty much played every day since he returned. This is only the second start for J.D. Davis over the last week since Frazier's been back. Brandon Nimmo's in center field hitting sixth. Ahmed Rosario at shortstop hitting seventh. Tomas Nito is the catcher hitting eighth. Wilson Ramos gets the day off. He'll probably be back in there tomorrow. The Mets have a uh, game at noon. So I'm sure this was the plan is to let Ramos catch tomorrow. And Jacob DeGrom on the mound hitting ninth for the Mets. The Padres in Atlanta. Cal Quantrill gets the call up to start for San Diego. Max Freed on the mound for the Braves. For the Padres, Will Myers leading off in left field. Franmil Reyes in right field hitting second. Manny Machado at third base hitting third. Hunter Renfro is in the lineup today. Uh, he will play in the outfield today and uh, back cleanup. Uh, Eric Hosmer's at first base, hitting fifth. He started to pick it up, and he had a home run yesterday, too. His fly ball rate is up, too, so good sign there for him. Ty France, another start at third base. Uh, Francisco Mejia is the catcher, hitting seventh. Ian Kinsler is the second baseman, hitting eighth. And Quantrill on the mound, 
hitting ninth. For the Braves, Ozzy Albies leading off at second base. Dansby Swanson is at shortstop as Josh Donaldson is out for the second straight day with the calf injury, so Swanson gets boosted up in the order. Freddie Freeman's at first base hitting third. Nick Markakis in right field hitting cleanup. Johan Camargo gets to start at third with Donaldson out. He's batting fifth. Brian McCann, the catcher, hitting sixth. Uh, Culberson in left field hitting seventh. Ender Enciarte back in the lineup at center field hitting eighth. And Max Fried on the mound for the Braves batting ninth. The Rockies in Milwaukee. Antonio Senzatella against Chase Anderson for the Rockies. Leading off Charlie Blackman in right field. He got the day off yesterday. Trevor Story's at shortstop batting second. Daniel Murphy at first base hitting third. Nolan Arenado at third base hitting cleanup. Ryan McMahon at second base hitting fifth. Ian Desmond in center field hitting sixth. So David Dahl gets the day off as Raymel Tapia is in left field batting seventh. Drew Butera is the catcher hitting eighth. And Sensatella on the mound batting ninth. Uh, and then you got, of course, the night games. You got the double dip with the Orioles and White Sox. Andrew Castor against Ivan Nova. That's the second game. The Astros in Minnesota, Colin McHugh against Martin Perez. The Dodgers in San Francisco, Hinjin Ryu against Madison Bumgarner. And the Blue Jays in Anaheim, 10.07 p.m. Eastern, Marcus Stroman against Felix Pena. So those lineups are not out yet. Usually they're out before lineup lock, so hopefully uh, they will come out before you set your DFS lineups. Uh, and, of course, there was a couple games this afternoon going on right now. None of them are final just yet. They are in the ninth inning, though. In Boston, the Red Sox trying to finish this out as they are going up against the A's. They lead this game 7-2 to two, uh, for the Red Sox. Uh, we got uh, a home run from Mitch Moreland, his ninth, and Christian Vasquez, his fifth home run of the year. It's only hitting two twenty seven, but, you know, to get five homers, 14 RBIs out of your catcher, you'll take it. Uh, two RBIs for Andrew Benatendi, Raphael Devers, two for four with two runs, and Michael Chavis, who's been good, one for three with a run, and a walk. He's hitting 314 with a 442 OVP, and Benatendi stole his third base of the season. For Oakland, uh, Matt Chapman, two hits. He's two for four with a run score. Chris Davis, two for four with a run and an RBI. As uh, they're still going there in the ninth inning, he is putting together a little bit of a rally. It's now 7-3 with two outs in the top of the ninth. Mike Fires, five innings, five hits, three earned runs, a walk, and three Ks for the A's this afternoon. The Royals have won game one of that doubleheader against the Rays, three to two, uh, as Brandon Lau was two for four in this game. Willie Adamas, who's really struggled, two for four with two RBIs. Kevin Kiermaier's four stolen base. Uh, Ryan Stanek was the opener, and he gave up three runs in the first inning, and that was it. Jalen Beeks came in and was really good. Six and two-thirds, one hit, no runs, two walks, six Ks. I actually picked them up in two leagues over the weekend. And how about this? Ian Kennedy with a save for the Royals. He went two innings, allowed two hits, no walks, two Ks. He's got a 1.15 ERA. I actually had Kennedy in Tout Wars, dropped him over the weekend. It's just, it's tough with the Royals. They're not going to get many save opportunities. Is Kenny the guy? Looks like he is for now as they gave him the save opportunity. He got the job done. Jake Junis was solid in this game. He originally had a two-start week, six and a third, six hits, two earned runs, two walks, only two strikeouts, but he did limit the home run ball today. No home runs, and that's been the problem for him. He's now three and two on the year with a 5.12 ERA. For the Royals, Whit Merrifield, his sixth stolen base of the season, one for four with a run scored. So uh, that's really what you need from him is you need those steals. We'll see if the power can be there. Maybe with this ball being juiced and power up, maybe he gets the 20 home runs, and that would really 
make him worth the pick. I was actually not high in Whitmerryfield this year. I passed on him, and uh, so far he's been pretty good. Alberto Mondesi is fourth home run of the season. He's now hitting 286. OBP only 310. We knew that. The guy doesn't walk a lot, but, man, he hits the ball hard. He's got the power and the speed. He's probably going to wind up being a pretty good pick, I think, by the end of the year in fantasy. Hunter Dozier has been one of the best pickups so far off the waiver wire. One for three with a walk. He's now hitting 348, a 449 OBP, and a 685 slugging. He also stole a base today, his first stolen base of the year. The reason why that's a good sign is he had missed some time last week with back spasms. So the fact that he's attempting a stolen base to me is definitely a good sign. And uh, the Pirates lead the Rangers 4-2 in the top of the seventh uh, for the Pirates. Jamison Tyon pitching well. Six innings, forwards, two earned runs, two walks, five Ks. We talked about him in the first hour. Just not a lot of Ks, but uh, he'll be fine. Reynolds has three RBIs for the Pirates. Melky Cabrera, two for three with a run in an RBI. As uh, for Texas, a home run for Joey Gallo is 11th of the year, man. He's just had a great year. Average of 267. Fantasy owners loving that. Make sure you check us out, fulltimefantasy.com, playffwc.com to get in a draft, festival, or dynasty startup. Be back Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.